0: You are listening to the market share podcast presented by milk street marketing, a discussion of all things, marketing, branding, and beyond the market share podcast presented by milk street marketing is a weekly discussion of current marketing trends and their impact on business owners and entrepreneurs alike. For more information, visit milkstreet.marketing podcast. On the Market Share podcast is Dave Gloss, Director of Strategic Partnerships at Phenom People. Formerly the CEO and co founder of Here's My Chance, an agency based here in Philadelphia specializing in the nonprofit sector, David also was part of Artists and Instigators, a venture capitalist firm that worked with startup tech companies. David has his MBA in international business from Temple University's Fox School of Business, right here in Philadelphia. We're excited to have him on the show for the first time. So here he is,
1: and you know, I I didn't really know way just like you go out you produce and then you can do some cool stuff and my cousin had his own small business mm-hmm. which is where i got my i didn't cut i didn't cut hair but i lugged buckets right so he had he still has it up in the northeast uh okay. creative aquariums okay so they design they install and they maintain these giant saltwater reef aquariums and like it's in good the, plug right and, and <laughs> <laughs> it's a big part of our strategy with this <laughs> is the plug right yeah you know, totally and like i, I remember away. i was like i don't know 14, 15, lugging buckets for him, coming back when I went to college, lugging bucket buckets for him, helping right. him do the maintenance and whatnot. And then um, I ended even actually I was getting I was getting my MBA, I jumped in, but I jumped in an operations role. And here's mm-hmm. the the funny thing about that, every single person in my family jumped in to help my cousin who was like a deadhead like right. total like just like i like fish man <laughs> but right. not a business person but somehow built this like you know million dollar company because he loves what he does right um but yeah i think that's where i started getting my first you know my, my parents my cousin and um when my parents actually started a charity uh in 90 89 90. Um, that built like hospitals in Eastern Europe Mm -hmm. and Africa and South America and all this shit. And what was it called? It was called Carelift International. Okay. So that's an interesting story in its own right, in terms of like business model for small business, even nonprofits are small business. But they always said like, you know, do good and you can do well in life. Mm -hmm. Right. So when I graduated college, I went to my folks and I'm like, all right, I'm ready to work for you. You know, I'm going to join this charity. I'm going to be your marketing guy or whatever. Right. My dad looks me square in the face the day after I graduated. He's like, what the fuck can you do? You studied philosophy for four years. Right. <laughs> like, and you
0: went to the military. You went to Valley Forge military. Well, that, I, that was for high school. Okay. And but,
1: then I went to, to Dickinson College. Got for, it. For, for for college but but you were um, a philosophy major yeah not right (laughs) right well you know um and he said go fill your toolkit come back and you can figure it out and you know i think i was always on this track to do my own thing but i didn't know enough yet so i think what led to hmc was just like a series of things i got my first job it was in Mm -hmm. market research and i built myself up to doing sales for this market research company Mm -hmm. and then i came back and i was doing Door to door sales for like yellow book and like just right. like pay, to help get to then get through my MBA and get all these things, and then I got involved with you know a VC fund and learn about no. how you scale all that shit, but the whole time I was always like my dad told me fill your toolkit because you can't do anything unless you've seen it you've been through enough cycles right. and whatever so um, that's you interesting
0: know. you don't hear that phrase too much fill your toolkit
1: fill your toolkit man for yeah. sure. Uh, he trademarked that, huh?
0: Did he trademark that? My
1: dad, it, like he he <laughs> raised he us <laughs> on idioms, like nice. <laughs> you know, like you, you, you know, I don't think I don't think you could get through a conversation with my father without it being, you know, some little Confucius say like right. experience. Nice, um, but yeah, like all of that led up to the, the founding of HMC. Did
0: you had a, you had a company you started prior to HMC?
1: I, I was in a couple startups, okay. so you know, I wouldn't consider. Like I have, I guess everything I've really done has been mainly small business, but they've always been companies that wanted to scale, right? right. So when I was at the VC fund, um, the venture capital fund, mm-hmm. I was doing like research on companies, right? Mm-hmm. So people who have these like giant ideas that want to raise money that banks aren't going to, that's too risky for a bank to loan or whatever, right. but like, it's like, you know, Facebook was built on VC money. So they right, went course. to... Somebody went to a a bank and was like, I'm going to build a website, and the whole world's going to come there. Are you going to give me money? Like Nobody's going to give them anything. Uncollateralized loans. Right. right, You know what I mean? (laughs) But uh, a VC fund would. And my job was to monitor and evaluate all these ideas that come through and be like, this has legs. This market can grow or this whatever. Um, So you're looking through
0: business plans, basically.
1: Looking through business plans. And then if a business plan catches one of the principal of the the fund's eyes, I then go do research and, and make a recommendation to invest or not invest. And we saw like a thousand pitches over mm-hmm. like a year or two. That's
0: got to be a lot of value in that. Oh my
1: God. Like there's so many cliches in terms like people watch Shark Tank and right. all this other stuff. There's so many fucking cliches in terms of. What was some of
0: the craziest pitches you
1: saw? Uh, I, I had somebody come in who was trying to raise money for a new ingredient to dye lawns a better color. Okay. You know, he's like, trying to raise capital for that. Make I'm grass like, greener? Yeah. You know, <laughs> on both sides. It, it was it was cool, you know. Could but have been like... a good tagline
0: for the business. <laughs> <laughs> Make grass greener on both sides.
1: Oh, uh, you can't stop me. You can't turn it off.
0: <laughs> um,
1: no, it was cool. But, like, I, I think what was – we were a tech-focused company. Right. Like tech-focused funds. So when you're yeah. coming in with that – Some like,
0: agro. Yeah. Biopharma stuff. Exactly. It was just right. like not
1: the right fit. But like some simple things like that. Um, what about from
0: like a format standpoint? Like what are some of like the more creative, like interesting ways that people pitch to you guys? Or were they all just sending you Google Docs?
1: Um. Well, So this was like 2007, 8. Okay. Um, so some of
0: the technology wasn't there yet.
1: Well yeah, so people were sending like PowerPoints and sure. Prezi came oh, right. on Prezi came up around then. So okay. people were starting to try some new stuff there. But it wasn't about the presentation, right? So about the idea. Well, not even. So one of the best things I learned during that period was this thing about called TMI, um, which is team market idea, in that order of priority, hmm. right? So write that down. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, anybody can have a fucking idea, but idea changes. You talk about people pivoting and changing things or whatever. Um, but if you have the right team and the market size is big enough, you can execute on the idea. But if you don't have the right team, nothing's going to work. Nothing. Right. And I think that that's foundational to Mm -hmm. any small business and the things that I learned over my career, like I've had great teams that I've had really shitty teams and I've been a shitty member of teams, not because like I didn't mean well or know what I was doing, but like, it just didn't click in right? right timing
0: wasn't right you didn't have uh, enough whatever factor you know you didn't have enough time to put into it or enough attention you know what i mean
1: it, it could be any number of things that like stars just, didn't align yeah exactly right but like when you have on a humming team and there's money being spent on a technology or a service or whatever you can figure out an idea that's going to mm-hmm. be like awesome right? right and that's I think you know when things really click in in a, in a cool way
0: right yeah. so then HMC was officially the first company you started
1: yeah like I've been involved with a couple like nonprofit startup stuff so when right. I, I when I ended up one of my toolkit I thought was filled and by the way I've learned that my toolkit or anybody's toolkit is never filled sure you're always learning something but at the time I was 27 I just finished about a year and a half with this, one of the startups that this fund invested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, Oh, it was a gaming startup. So like okay. Zynga was on the rise, Farmville, Mafia Wars, like right. all those, like, you know, social apps. apps, right. Right. And there was just a huge market for it. I'm like, I want to be part of that and rode that wave for a bit. Um, and you know, I got equity in the company. It got acquired. I mm-hmm. got a nice small payout, nothing major, but right. you know, enough to, to be like, all right, that's a nice little taste of something. Yeah. Um, So I got out of that and I was looking to do something. Um, I was ready for a change and I went to my parents and I'm like, all right, I feel like I'm ready to work for you guys now. But the business model changed for their nonprofit and it went out of business. Oh wow. Right? So um, they they made their whole thing off of going to hospitals and getting them to donate ventilators and incubators and medical equipment and supplies. Um, and then going and taking those and building hospitals abroad, mm-hmm. right? But then eBay and the secondary healthcare market, like the global purchasing organizations, the whole thing evolved to the point where hospitals were like, I will donate, but let me find out how much I can make for it first. Am I a family, we didn't adjust quick enough to that model. They didn't, you know, change and they weren't able to sustain. They were at one point like $400 million in donated, wow. you know, equipment and things like that. And then... Nothing, wow. right? In a couple of years, right? So when I went to work for them, I asked them to work. They were like, "I don't think we have anything right. for you." And I'm like, "Okay, I think I'll go start my thing now." <laughs> but it was a, good, it was again, do good, do well, and it was a. I found a niche in doing the, the campaign stuff with this t- this game company, and mm-hmm. was like, "All right, I think I've learned a lot about some digital marketing. Now I'm going to do something with that and do it and do something good." So that's what you know we focused on.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And what do you attribute? The success, because I mean, here's my chance. You know, I was doing some really great work. Yeah, it was six
1: uh, years. It was a, a good run for any sort. You get past year two or three, like you, you've done something remarkable, which I think is right. you know a good thing for anybody to figure out.
0: Right. And I mean, I attributed the success was you know to you know you you alluded to it earlier in terms of like kind of you know uh, f- you know finding a niche uh, in some emerging you know technologies and, and trending you know uh, marketing concepts that were happening at the time. But, you know, one of the things, you know, and the reason why I bring it up again is because we talk about this all the time and, you know, I really, you know, it hit home with me at first with you, you know, there's things that, you know, you guys were doing that I have, you know, that we still implement, you know, and that we, you know, we have, you know, successfully replicated as, you know, great strategy. And it's really been about identifying that higher purpose for a brand, you know, and you know, and a brand can be applied to a small business, a nonprofit you know, a band, Yeah. <laughs> you know, a music venue. So
1: what's about yeah. relevancy? Right. Like, can you tap into something that's relevant to people? Right. Right. People are like, what's the right message just out of the other. It's like, fuck whatever marketing ploy thing you come up with. Like right. if what you're offering doesn't strike a super relevant chord with somebody who gives a shit, Right. you know, right. sorry for my, am I allowed to curse? I should. Oh yeah. Cursed. Yeah. We curse all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Probably no, curse all the time. Like
1: <laughs> 20 minutes in. <laughs> yeah. No, of
0: course all the time. Um, Cool. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, like I said, there's, uh, you know, elements of that, you know, it's what I attribute a lot of the success of Connie's to over the years from a branding aspect was identifying, you know, you know, what they were there for, you know, actually stating it that, you know, we are not a bar with a stage, you know, we're a music venue that serves drinks, (inaudible) you know, being South Philly's home for live original music. And, you know, the reason that we're there is to support, you know, local independent artists and um, you know, bands coming in from out of town that need a place to play, and really, you know, making that, you know, why are you know why we were doing things? We weren't there to sell beer or to see how many tickets we could sell in a, any given night. It was about supporting the community, and then the community rallied around that cause, well, and it's, you know, it, it, that it's, helped the business grow.
1: Well, I think you're tapping into something that I think a lot of small businesses might not
0: we'll cut go. that out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You tap tap into something there that a lot of small businesses, you know, can, can learn from. Because I think just like, so you can do a lot of, uh, my, my, my basis is from like the nonprofit side. But like when somebody wants to do something good, like officially, they're like, how do I start a nonprofit? And that's the wrong starting point. Mm -hmm. Like a nonprofit's a legal, like tax structure. Right. Right? Like you can build a program and then do a good program and find somebody to be under or whatever. You don't need to start another nonprofit. Right. So an entrepreneur, especially one that's focused on small business, you know, they are like, I have a passion for something. I'm going to do it. Right. Whether it is needed or not in the market. Right. Right. So, you know, if you can, you know, find something again, relevancy or whatever that that aligns with what, you know, is something you're passionate about as well. Like you've hit into something really important. Um, what is i think in the power of habit uh, which is an awesome book if you haven't read it uh, there's this whole chapter that talks about uh, i think it's alcoa aluminum and this new president that comes in mm-hmm. and they he says you know all the other presidents that came in they, they were starting to fail a little bit over the years these alcoa aluminums like, they like all the aluminum in every coke can in the world okay right? Um, and they were coming in and they were they were focusing on price cutting or cost cutting or whatever it was to help them be more competitive. And this guy comes in, he gives out a government background, you know, he's like, we're gonna be the safest company. I fucking love that, right?? You go to his first meeting, he presents to all these investors and stockholders and the guy, and all of them are like, He's announcing we're gonna be the safest company, and all of them are like at his throat. Like, what do you mean we're gonna be the safest company? We're losing money. You're focused on safety, yada yada. Like, help your financials. What do you get? We got to do some right. marketing, whatever. And he says we're gonna focus on safety. And here's the spill-on effect. So it's it's about you know the cascading impact of these type of like keystone habits mm-hmm. or key, keystone focus, right? So if you become the safest company, what happens to all the ancillary things? If you're the safest company, you don't have any injuries on the job. If you don't have any injuries on the job, what does that do to employee morale? Goes up. If employee morale goes up, what happens to productivity? Goes up. If you promote people based off of the number or the quality of their safety improvement recommendations and encourage that, right? What then can happen? People feel empowered. They want to step into leadership positions, yada, yada. Like if you allow folks to then bypass the leadership chain, if they see something that's not getting responded to, you have mutual accountability, mm-hmm. right? If you focus on safety, you reduce spillage, which reduces like, you know, lost costs and things like that. Um, and eventually their productivity and their profitability went up significantly significantly. Not by focusing on like their marketing metrics instead of the other, but on this weird ancillary, this weird keystone one that had these ancillary effects. So mm-hmm. like, you're talking about like focusing on being, you know, at Connie's, this really you know relevant beacon for the live music scene and the revitalization of a specific part of the Philly neighborhood that's got a Philly vibe. It speaks mm-hmm. to the people who live in the area. It speaks to you know, a broader national movement of just people coming through. How do you try? It's just, it all hits onto a chord that helps you smell, sell more beer.
0: Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. Like, I mean, you know, that's, you know, but, but see, that's the thing is you put, you know, that's the story you can't tell, you know, yeah. the story you tell, you know, your story is, you know, the why, you know, like mm-hmm. Simon Sinek, you know, the, oh, you yeah. know, I mean, that's, everybody seems to be, you know, it's becoming very more, you know, popular now I see like popping up on my news feed more and more you know
1: that talk is like St- in the 10 years old now
0: I, I mean That's I crazy I first got exposed to it um, and you know this is after you know a couple years ago when we were working with Rutgers and we took that leadership course one of their uh, online certificate programs mm-hmm. you know it was an online course um, we were helping them market these courses and we took you know we took one just to see what it was like and it was like a lot of it was like watch this video and then, you know, you go on to this little chat forum and you have to, like, talk about it with the people that are in the class and share your thoughts. And uh, I saw it then and, it, you know, it struck, it really struck a chord with me, um, you know, in identifying your wine. It's right in line with, you know, the story and the higher purpose. It's just really the same thing. And, you know, that's the story you tell because nobody wants to hear, you know, your story is, oh, we're just, you know, we sell beer, <laughs> you know? Right, right. So, you know, well, that's... the micro
1: communities, right? Yeah. Like, that's, that's, that's where small businesses are, are happening. Like... Whether online or brick and mortar or whatever, it's what was it?
0: Well, that one of my bullet points here, you know, talking for talking points is you know micro businesses because small business is such a broad stroke, Mm -hmm. you know. And small business could be you know a two hundred and fifty person company that's doing you know like Phenom people, right? I mean, that's still technically a small business, you know. Oh, we're getting to Phenom people. (laughs) It was actually earlier in the in the thing, but you know, I figured we get to it. You go
1: organic here.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll bring <laughs> it. <laughs> um, native. It's native. It's native advertising. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I totally lost my train micro of thought, you know. uh, micro uh, businesses. Yeah. That's right. Micro businesses is you know a very specific small subset that you know when you're talking about a milkstream marketing or a here's my chance or a Connie's Rickrack, you know they're micro businesses. You know they're you know five ten people that you know are trying to in a lot of cases you know i think that's where you find those really really compelling stories Mm -hmm. you know or that if you are that kind of business you better have (laughs) a compelling story because of the way that you need to interact with your audience yeah you know you're never going to compete with people like we have customers that are our size maybe even a little bit bigger you know maybe they're 30 40 people you know they're sales driven organization and they want to get results from social media you know with the way things are today like you're never going to compete with the companies that are spending millions of dollars to advertise on social media so how do you you know how do you counteract that so another page that we're taking out of the here's my chance book we have one of our next podcasts and like little content uh focus areas is why your digital marketing sucks (laughs) and it's basically gonna resolve to the fact that you haven't articulated your story well enough you don't have You know something compelling that you're telling about yourself that's going to engage your audience and get them to invest in you emotionally. That's really what it comes down to when you, you know, you start to demonstrate your why to Mm -hmm. you know to the community and you want to bring them in, get them on board. You know, they're they're emotionally investing in you and your brand. Yeah. So,
1: well, I think what's interesting, right? So, uh, if you can, if somebody's got the Google up, they can fact check it. I think we're like in the '50s, maybe we were like four billion, maybe. up, up until even the 70s, we were only like four or five billion people on the planet, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're almost about to be eight soon, right? Right, And within 50 years, we, it took us mil- like a, like 100,000 plus years to get to that point before, right? right. Like double this much. Um, and we talk about the number of small businesses and or whatever. Like, you don't, there are so many subset communities, the advent of, you know, just these, you know, whether it's meetup or right. Reddit or whatever. There's so many subcultures that these micro businesses and micro communities exist there's enough people on the planet that a micro community was the size of the full community right, exactly. like not that long ago and I think that's where you know you know you ha- I would think we're at this sort of friction point where or even in sort of an awareness point of what's possible and you talk about like you know matching it to the why not just the why of your company, but the why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you investing in this company right. right What do you want to get out of it right? And you know I think that's the one thing that keeps a lot of companies small businesses being from being successful is that they get, I think they, they forget why they started it after enough cycles you know, New company ex- growth, excitement, loss of client, like sadness, and right. then, you know it just keeps going. Like we gotta, we get to pay the bill. Do, like all of a sudden, you get off track, right? right. You, take, you take. This is what happened with HMC, right? I think we, you know, we pivoted and and vacillated a bunch of different times, and you know, when you take, you know, let's say you start from the center of a circle and you work your way out, mm-hmm. you know, you, if you're headed to a specific destination, you know, you take a step forward fine. If you take a step forward in the wrong degree in that direction from the center, you're not that far off. You can correct. But if you keep taking steps, you know, you don't correct or change, Mm -hmm. you get way off and then you lose your direction and lose your sense of self-purpose or whatever. And I think that's something that, um, you know, is important because, you know, if you as the, per- the person building and growing, it can't remember why you're doing it or aren't able to maintain ownership over why you're doing it. You know, whether it's like, I want to have like Emma, my, my fiance, mm-hmm. she's once she, she wants to start a, a home therapy practice, like a home office, you know, she wants to work four days a week, three or four sessions a day, you know, and we calculate it out. And it's like, I don't know. I think a, a home office, small practice, one person practice. You're pulling in like ninety, hundred grand, working like kind of part time if you do it right. Right. Like, all right. Like, it's a lifestyle. Exactly. You know exactly how much you want to make. You know you understand what we're taking on. Like, it's very clear, and that then informs the strategy you would take, and all those other things. But I think sometimes we focus on just the why of the company and that, that strategy, and and then we we burn out, right. and we can't execute on it, and those type of things, and. I don't know how I got there. I just got there. No, I mean it's all
0: it's all part of you know, when I you know when I think about you know most of the small businesses we deal with, you know it's it's still a, it's still we're in the people business. You know it's still a lot of the business we it's based on relationships, and the you know the people that are you know running the company, part of the company, the people that make up the team, like you talked about earlier, the team being the mm-hmm. most important part. I you know I feel the same way. You know, and the way that I've built, you know, Dustin and Jim and, you know, everybody else, you know, who has most of the people that have, you know, worked with Milk Street are musicians <laughs> that I've known that have become, you know, have, you know, in my network of people that, um, you know, it's about the people. And, it, you know, I liken it a lot to starting a band. You know, mm-hmm. I was never would have started. I would never have answered an ad at Sam Ash for a guitar player wanted. I would never put an ad up for vocalist wanted. You know, I'd rather wait for my friends to learn how to play the drums than be in a band with them. Right. because to me, it was about you know starting you know my role, you know like to me personally, like my dream, you know is like you know the way I do is to create something special with my friends. That's why I was in a band. I wanted to do something special with people that I liked and cared about mm-hmm. and that I was friends with. Like to me, that's what I, you know that's what got me off. you know? and I just happen to be doing marketing now, you know what I mean? Like if something else could have came along and it just became part of my skill set of things that I did, you know, coming from a sales background. I mean, went to school for marketing, obviously, but ended up in sales for a long time and then, you know, kind of matriculated it back into it, you know, um, professionally. But, you know, it's... People do business with other people. So when you're branding these companies and you're trying to figure out what the why is, the why of the company becomes the why of that central figure. So, you know, you took on that role for at Here's My Chance, at least for a part of the time, and you did a good job, you know, I thought you know, it was really smart to, you know, take the focus off of yourself well, and like try to prop was, up Lancey and other people and Elliot that, that was and Kevin to do things. I do. Yeah. yeah another that was page I've taken out of your book is to try to step back and not be that Well, That, that, that
1: would lead to sustainability of a small right. business, right? Like again, back to your personal why it's like, do you want like my cousin, right? He'll be 60 in a couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. Started this in his tw- like late teens, early 20s. Um, he's been struggling forever to figure out how to bring in somebody to help him scale the business. Like this business, if like structured properly, he could retire. This is the Creative the, Aquarium. Yeah, Creative Aquariums. Like this, this could like he could totally retire in right, the Northeast. Still, yeah, in the Northeast, they could oh. still lug. But they 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 do Gladwin and all, they don't. Who, right. who buys? Giant aquariums, <laughs> um, you know, but like uh, one of the things that I think is is interesting with that is like he's not setting himself up. It's all him. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't know if he knows any other way. but That's just how he operates. But like I know that like, you know, m- this was the experience that we had with HMC was we... So I personally, and this is, I think, growth of any entrepreneur, know what my strengths are. I'm an instigator, I'm a, uh, an innovator, a brand builder, mm-hmm. I'm a salesperson, I can create something, get momentum, yada, yada. I'm not a maintainer and I'm not a scaler. Right. I just know that, right? I am not the dude that's gonna be able to do that. But I didn't know that until after, right? right. And I think we did some research, you know, when we brought Lancey in, which I think was really important, Which was, you know, people like associated Here's My Chance with me. And that means the brand of Here's My Chance was super innovative, creative, etc. It doesn't always follow through. Right. (laughs) Right? And I think we were able to rectify that by by separating myself from it so the organization then could be, you know, sustainable beyond. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, I think what we learned in that process, there's a lot of things that I think you know we could do differently. Hindsight being 2020, right? But I think we did a good job at that. We did that for about two years, you know, and that that helped us start to get some scale um, as we looked to make a, a larger transition. But like, I think you know that's something that people don't think about or know they need to be aware of or mm-hmm. working towards. Like now, like I'm super stoked as an entrepreneur, like where I'm at now. Like I intentionally chose to go to Phenom People because there's a CEO that's in there that like wants to take this company to be a billion dollar company. Mm-hmm. Like it's got that trajectory, you know? And I, as a, as a, as an entrepreneur and as a business person, as a, and as a young person, like I'm 35, right? I don't know everything. And I think the biz- biggest experience I lesson I got from, from the other, you know, projects is that like, I don't, I don't know everything and there's certain things I'm good at. So things I'm not good at, but I could learn, I could watch, I can observe so that the next time I do something I'm like that much more prepared that much right. you know better suited to make that work right And um, you know it's I don't know it's interesting when you kind of start to get to that level of it because I think a lot of ent- I, I, think, I don't say a lot I speak for myself. I have a big ego. I love when people like me. It's a, my mom, is the, she. it's a thing for my mom. She needs everybody to like <laughs> right. her, and I need everybody to like me, and I like when people don't like me. <laughs> and I didn't know that, that was a, an attribute that I had as, an, as a person right. that affected how I did business. But that's right? what makes
0: you such a great salesperson. It's part of it. I appreciate
1: that. I do. But it's also what makes me a bad salesperson, right? Because I am also super optimistic. Right. Right. And I miss the signals of when somebody really isn't buying and they're just jiving with me. I'm not jiving with my company. Right. Right. You know, I'm hopeful I'm just going to win them over. And that's not a sustainable approach either. You know, I guess we just sort of figure these things out, but like,
0: well, nothing Trump's experience. I mean, yeah. you don't know, you know, it's, you know, it, it's what, you know, you see some, you know, kids that are in their twenties and they're, you know, they're talking about their entrepreneurs and they're going to do this. and They're going to do that. And, you know, it's, it's like, you don't, you don't know until you've been through it. You well, know, they, everybody's got a great business idea yeah. and everybody, you know, it's, I was, you know, we were all there. We all got advice from somebody that was altered at us and we're like, ah, how do they know?
1: Well, I think that's so. All right, so but nothing
0: trumps experience. You don't know until you actually go through it,
1: right? And then also nothing trumps the conviction that people are wrong,
0: right?
1: And you are right, or no? But take it back. The conviction that you're right and people are wrong, (laughs) right? You know, um, you know. I think that's something that also makes a difference. You you, you tapped into something that I, I just I just remembered. People start companies today they don't start bands right right like that's the new band right exactly right you know of of this era exactly (laughs) um which is is interesting and then also like there's such this commodification of startup entrepreneurship yada yada you know and
0: all the tools and content that's available you know well it's at your fingertips at any given moment
1: well all right so here's two, two things here one and I'm guilty of it. I think I am capable of anything and everything because that's what I was taught my whole life. And it's not true, but I still believe it. Right. <laughs> right? And I think that one of the other things is, and I get back to the, 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 what's the word I want to look for? The, the celebrity entrepreneur. Right. Right. Right you know just like there was the celebrity musician everyone wanted to be a musician they wanted they wanted to be in a band right. right but they didn't want to be a musician so not many bands got good because nobody right. focused on practicing the ones that were great like Jerry Garcia back in the day if you did you watch that uh Amazon uh documentary uh Long Strange Trip nah. fucking epic you just watch him like everybody's like Jerry just practiced Jerry just practiced that's right. all he did Right, he didn't. He didn't just one day become Jerry Garcia. Right. Elon Musk didn't just one day become Elon Musk. He like studied and learned, and mo- they're, They have a rigidity to what they've done. Right? right? You talk about entrepreneurship today. People say, "I want to be an entrepreneur." They don't want to be excellent at the craft of what they're right. they're building a business around. Um,
0: they want the novelty of being an entrepreneur.
1: They want to say they're an entrepreneur. I wanted to say I was. An, I was such a, like. I was 27 when I started. I'm like, I have my own company. Like you're like, I own a bar. Right. Like, it's like it, people love that shit, right?
0: Well, that's the American dream, right? Yeah. I mean, that's why we do what we do at Milk Street. I mean, that's why we tie our higher purpose into helping small businesses because we feel that that's, you know, most people. I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's a couple kids out there, little boys and girls. You know, maybe because of the upgrading, you know, they go to bed at night dreaming of being a senior level executive at Comcast or Aetna. But there's probably not many. I think there's probably more people are like, <laughs> I want to own my own business. I want to work for myself. Well, the, I want to, you know, they, don't want to have to answer to anybody. Like well, you said, that lifestyle.
1: Right. Well, I think, what was it? Maybe you guys can look this up, but there was a really good quote. It was a video of Obama speaking to a bunch of Hill interns. I think it was like 2000. and. 12 or 11 or something like that. I can't remember exactly. But he asked a really great question that I think gets to the heart of what differentiates a great business person and true entrepreneur from those that just want to be. It. A great musician from mm-hmm. just a guy that wants to be in a band. And it was, I think he was asking like, who wants to be a politician, sure. right? And like all of them raised their hand except for a couple, right? And then, some, and then he said, who wants to represent the interests of the American people, yeah. right? So if you want to be a politician, right, like that's... A that says dip, one thing. That says one thing. Right. If you want to represent the interests of the American people, it says another thing. And the same thing about being, you know, like I now know when I'm looking for that team, right? right? I don't want to find the guy that wants to be the CTO I want to find the guy that loves Technos. technology, right? Right? You know, like we have. I have a filmmaker meetup that I, I, yeah, I, I Philly using, rough cuts, yeah, rough cuts, and and you know we have about know, almost two thousand filmmakers and stuff that are involved in that. And I, I, I'm an amateur filmmaker, and I love you that I can any call anybody any time to connect with it. And this this one guy comes through. I forget his name. We have a monthly every the first mm-hmm. Wednesday of every month in at the we work in in Northern Liberties that we do sort of like critiques and whatever. And this guy steps up. And they made, I shit you not, a like, a commercial studio grade uh, Star Wars fan film with like straight up like it could have been LucasArts. Right. Did, like it could have been what, what's the uh, Light and Magic, whatever his studio is, right. Industrial Light and Magic, right? And it could have been them. And people are like, so how'd you do that? He's like, well, I spent a lot of hours doing this thing, and I downloaded this, and I I like, I just I just did it. No hubris around, like, you know, I want to make this great. He's just like, I like doing this. And I'm like, I want to work with that motherfucker because, like, he just wants to make epic stuff. Right. And that's... uh I don't know. I'm getting on like it's a hype about it. It's like I think that's who you want to be trying to be, you know. And if if you can, great. And and who you can surround yourself with, even better, because then you will become that. You know? Couldn't have
0: said it better myself. Just trying to make everything awesome. You know, <laughs> yeah. you got to want to make it awesome. I yeah. mean, it's like it. It again, it can't be about dollars and cents. It can't be about you know a number at the end of the day. It has to be about something more. So, so tell us a little bit about on people.
1: Yeah, totally. So. All right, the easiest way to do it, you shop on Amazon? Yeah. All right, so you know when you're on Amazon and you click on a product, it then says, people that bought this book also bought these books. Sure. Right? And then you go on to Spotify, and over time you just click on music, and it, eventually you have six recommended playlists that like, we know exactly what you want now. Right. Like after a year of like, and they know you and your preference or whatever. Um, so what Phenom People does is they've, there's a whole new science called talent relationship marketing okay which is you know taking best practices from what you're seeing in these online these e-commerce uh experiences mm-hmm. these, it's all hyper personalization mm-hmm. there's a level of machine learning like there's no website anymore it's a fully interactive smart platform that runs amazon that runs netflix that runs spotify um it's taking that technology and putting it on to career sites for big companies hmm. so like tell me how shitty it is to apply for a job. Right. <laughs> like I, I can't, I, I, I don't uh, know the last I've time I've done it in a while. A right. I'm like, <laughs> I imagine it sucks. <laughs> um, but any of the listeners that are here, like, like, you know how shitty it is. You go and apply, you look for a job. You have to like scroll through this clunky database. You have to create an account. It doesn't feel natural. It doesn't have like all this other stuff. And then like you give your resume and as your entire career history, all, you've literally given them all the information about how to like, understand who you are so it can then respond to you versus you having to hunt through it. And then it's the same shitty experience staring you in the face. Mm -hmm. What phenom has done. It's, it is developed the first platform that makes job seeking not suck and make it feel like shopping online and that it's conducive to what our, I think we've been trained to expect that like an online experience is just going to be simple, easy. And I should be able to plug right in and out. Um, I don't have to shift from right brain to left brain to navigate it. like It's just intuitive. Um, so.
0: so what is it based in the personalized recommendations and data on? There's just a whole, your, your yeah. activity while, when you're in the yeah, platform? Yeah,
1: so, right, so here's how it works gonna, um, and why like Mahi and Hari, these are two brothers that are from India. So here we're talking about purpose, right? Mm-hmm. These guys, like they grew up working in their dad's pharmacy in India mm-hmm. and their dad said to them like, Someday you're gonna, you know, employ a thousand people, and they're like, okay, and they said it to them every day, like <laughs> right. our parents. That's like, the you, secret. You're gonna go to college. Using the secret. You're gonna go to college. Right. Yeah. Exactly. The law of attraction. Right. Um. They didn't know what the hell this was all was until later, and they realized, oh shit, like this is what we're is. We they stumbled onto like there's a huge gap. Talk about market, right? Mm-hmm. So team, two brothers that like complement each other really well met with some other guys here in the U.S. when they're getting their MBA, so they built their team. They found this huge gap in the, this in one market, which was growing, around like candidate experience. So all of a sudden people are starting to talk about, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what is it? I think like different industries ta- catch up faster or slower than others, others. So like, I think nonprofit and education are always the laggards in adopting new technologies and stuff. HR within the corporate structure is the laggard in adopting new technologies. Mm-hmm. Um, and people, they sort of jumped on it and they were like, all right, we're gonna make something. What I love about what they've done is they're like, all right, machine learning is becoming more accessible. We wanna tap into that. You have these Fortune 500 companies like our clients are Microsoft, Deloitte, um, uh, General Motors, Citrix, Philips, like these global like, mm-hmm. companies um, that have hundreds of thousands, millions of people coming through their portals, their career sites that are just built on a standard CMS that aren't collecting the click stream, the data stream.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So Phenom, just by being like, hey, let's put this layer on, let's track every single activity, let's identify patterns in in how candidates are looking and hunting and digesting content, and all this other stuff. And then let's serve up a fully personalized experience that's like, hey, you clicked on this job and you know, we hooked your LinkedIn profile, we know everything about you. The entire career site changes to be a personally branded experience for Hmm. you about what it's like to work at that company versus you having to figure out, is this the right fit? It, it it responds it to you. So they like tap into this thing and within six years, you know, we're at almost 325 employees. I was employee 124 when I started a year and a half ago, right? Like we're just growing like gangbusters. Um, and, it's completely changing the game. So they've invested in, you know, developing the algorithms that learn the stuff, Mm -hmm. taking big data and then empowering companies that have the traffic to then be able to, to be more competitive. Because if you can show a better experience in your, you know, your competitor, you're going to attract that talent. And right now, what is it a 4% unemployment rate? Like if you have a shitty experience and your competitor doesn't have a shitty experience, you're losing that candidate right. you know? and what
0: are you and what are you doing for them
1: so i run strategic partnerships okay so my job is to educate agencies like yourself and um you know large consultancies that are doing hr transformation projects mm-hmm. and um and to help them see the power of trm like we won hr tech product of the year we won gartner's coolest company like we have all right. these different things that are ta- like that are signaling that this trm space is where it is going um, to get them to recognize the power of it, and when they make a recommendation, they bring our platform along with them. Um, so it's like channel sales, channel marketing. Um, that's what my my focus is instead awesome. of direct sales.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Ever the entrepreneur, we came across DaveGlosske.com. Uh. <laughs> so yeah. you're doing you're still doing some uh, some freelance consulting, yeah, coaching. So
1: time to time, I uh, I'll. I'll sit down. My, so be, have, having seen a thousand pitches, mm-hmm. having been through an acquisition, having been through shutting down a company, like here's my chance. Like I had, I, I rotated out. My right. business partner took over um, and I was hoping to like allow that to scale. And that's a, I think that's a whole nother podcast to, to, to dive into. Like how do you-
0: How do you close a business? How do you close a business? <laughs> right. Like
1: I, I think that was the thing. I learned more- closing my business than I did in my MBA and in the six years of running it
0: I think that'd be I mean you know all bullshit aside like the topic would be you know when you know when you know it's time you know how to know when it's time to throw in a tail right you know what I mean how do you know when it's time to yeah exactly and how to do it the right way
1: right have you read the dip
0: no super
1: epic it's like the whole the curvature of growth the the trend line sure there's there's a yes curve Yeah, so there's a period where you're down, and you have to determine whether or not you're forever down. Like this is a bad idea, or this is just the dip before it takes off. Right, and like yeah, so you could devote an entire, you know, conversation to that for sure. But
0: well, we'd love to have you back in.
1: Yeah, totally. Was it was all these podcasts like Dave Gloss returns
0: yeah, well we could have a whole Dave Gloss series. I mean, you know, we have market share is the main, you know, the high level, you know, categorically speaking for the for the podcast and the content. I'm a mile wide and an
1: inch deep, man. You know, we have also repeating myself. You know, the small
0: business. You know, we have that element. You know, we have the crypto element. So you know, we're doing. You know, obviously we're you know we're real big into as you know today's a bad day. It's a bloodbath. It's a bloodbath. It's a bloodbath. But you know what? We're already we're already kind of going back up in the right direction see everybody gets nuts bitcoin's already back up over 11 ethereum's back up over a thousand litecoin's still down but yeah i mean
1: oh dude i'm, I'm holding long term i don't care i took I, I, I scary my scary when money. you're in the middle of I it took though, my <laughs> money, so my, my same cousin that runs the aquarium business uh-huh. for my 21st birthday took me, took me to vegas taught me how to play blackjack and okay. taught me how to like <laughs> start to use house money and know when to walk away and all that sort of shit So like I made my money back that I invested, took it all out, and I'm like, let it ride. Yeah, same. Let it ride. Same. Same. I'm playing with house money as
0: well. So, all right, awesome. Um, yeah, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. That was the last thing we had on the. That was the last talking point we had. Yeah.
1: So I I have a good friend of mine. If you're if you're doing this shit, like. It's gambling. Everybody, it's gambling. You don't know shit. It r- runs in the face of every financial investing yada yada like that you could think of. Like, just, it's gambling. Don't invest more than you have to lose. Um, but, but isn't that,
0: you could say that about investing in any company and in <laughs> stocks and bonds as well. I mean, any investment, any any investment I advisor agree. is going to tell you the same exact thing.
1: I agree. I think that it, because it's so early and so volatile, it's just like, so volatile. It's just nuts. Exactly. It's <laughs> like, you need to, like, just, like, all right, how many fucking people think now they can day trade because they figured out how to make a couple grand on? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, do, I, do. I, I don't like. I like to believe I could become a day trader, but I don't know shit. And you know, nobody should like. I have a, my, one of my best friends over New Year's is talking to me. He's like, Dave, I see you doing all this. I see you do crypto. I see you with Bitcoin. <laughs> Yo, how about this? He sends a group text around. All like, we have a, a group crew from high school. And he's like, all right, everybody, we're going to give Dave $10,000. <laughs> I'm like, dude, just because I talked about it a week before you read right. an article about it doesn't mean shit.
0: <laughs> oh, well, I mean, we've been putting ourselves out there pretty heavyweight. I mean, I have had three or four people. Between last night and today, hit me up and be like, "Ah, uh, so what do you think? Like, wh- where's this? Where's this going to go down to? Are we going to go? Are you going to go? Is it going to go under ten? Bitcoin going to go under 10? Somebody else hit me like, "What do you think I should do? Should I buy more?" Or should I'm here, like, "Here's a Jeffrey." I'm like, "Here's a
1: Jeffrey Gloss, my, my dad." <laughs> I said, him, but "Like, like you know, child rearing by idiom." Um, he's like, "You know what the definition of an expert is? The guy that was there five minutes before you were, right?" Like, or you know, the
0: expert <laughs> is the guy who's standing up in front of everybody talking about it right you know which brings us back you know to bring a full circle to thought leadership and telling your story you know you become the expert when you stand up in front of a room full of people and, and say it and the words come okay. out of your mouth yeah another so one like like 80
1: your... of it is, is showing up yeah 80 percent just being there maybe. being the one talking about
0: yeah. it you know and yeah. i tell people i'm like i'm still trying to figure it out like i i you know i kind of understand it but i know that there's you know i don't really i don't you know, know not a, certainly not enough to predict anything
1: I don't know. I see, like, I don't know if you guys got that weird um, young Einstein-looking motherfucker with no mustache on your Facebook <laughs> feed. That's got like the the webinar, the, the the webinar uh, course about how to make money on crypto. It's it's on my Facebook feed. Like, it's some people are starting to like. They're preying on people now. Give me a thousand dollars a month and I'll teach you how to do crypto. Like, people are, it's that's the shit that you have to be like, you know, when these new markets come out. Well, there
0: was like, there was, I saw it was a meme or something. It was like, you know, the new like financial expert, like, you're take, don't take advice like from a YouTube video of three guys wearing like football jerseys and backwards baseball caps talking about how to make money in cryptocurrency. You know, like, there's every. Idiot
1: dudes in a, in a warehouse in, in South Philly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, we're just telling you, we're just reporting on current events. We're not giving any advice. I make it very clear, not giving any advice. But Awesome. Well, Dave, thank you very much for joining us today on uh, the Market Share Podcast. Totally, brother. Here presented by Milk Street Marketing. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you and speak with you as always. We look forward to having you back again soon. And uh, we'll have to get over to Connie's for, uh, for oh. a beer one of these days. Thank you for listening to the Market Share Podcast presented by Milk Street Marketing. To learn more about us, please visit our website at milkstreet.marketing and follow us on social media on Facebook at Milk Street Marketing and Twitter and Instagram at MilkStreet215.